That's a victory. Wow, not exactly the setting you expect when you come into church on Sunday morning, and that's good. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you're a little bit off-put, because the more attention I can grab of you, the more word that I can get into you this morning, because you're a little bit unsettled. It's not exactly what you expect when you come to church. Of course, we're that church anyway, where we're not like other churches, but we, anything short of sin to grab your attention, is, is I'm pretty much willing to do. So uh, we're, we're not going to cross a sin line, but whatever else it takes to get your attention, and especially on a day like today, because I'm going to be, it's going to be quiet in here. I'm just going to go ahead and tell you up front and, and real close, it is going to be a quiet morning. We're going to tread into some uncomfortable waters. You are not going to be my biggest fan when service is over today. Uh, welcome to week two of Ghost Stories. I've been planning this, the Holy Spirit laid on my heart months ago. And as I mentioned last week, uh, we, we are having the prayer team every morning meet before service. And they are covering these services uh, in prayer because I'm believing that God is going to bring deliverance. And, and he did that last week. This week, we're going to explore some areas that people don't even know they have been walking in for some of you your entire life. I'm going to be very transparent this morning. The Holy Spirit is going to make you be transparent. And as a matter of fact, let's begin this morning by praying that you're ready for the word that I'm about to lay on you because it does no good for good seed to fall on hard ground. So I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to do a work in your life. And in order for us to do that, let's prepare ourselves with prayer. Father, we need you this morning. We need this word. We need, God, every person, every vessel that is gathered here today, not just to come to shout because this is not a shouting day. Not just come to celebrate and rejoice because this is a day of reflection and humility. So, God, I'm asking right now that you would prepare the hearts and the spirits and the minds of each individual that is here today. We cannot face this sermon as a couple. We can't face it as entire families. This is a sermon that is going to speak directly to individual hearts and lives. We're going to need to do reflection today, God, and we're going to need your Holy Spirit to shine a light into some dark recesses of closets and doors that we have had shut for a long, long time. Bring it out into the light today, expose it for what it is, so that ultimately, Holy Spirit, you can bring healing into our lives. I love you and I praise you today, and if you can receive that today, promise of victory, and that's what you want, can you say amen and give the Lord a hand clap of praise? I want to encourage you to put your hands together now, because that would be the last time you clap. That's right, get it out of your system. Because this message this morning kind of sounds like a gimmick, but in reality, more people in this room have this problem than they realize. So this week, our title is Living in a Haunted House. And there's some things that I want to establish first and foremost to get, just to clear the air. When it comes to ghosts in reality... There's some things that we need to put into perspective, and in order to do that, it's important to understand what the Bible teaches about life after death, okay? Scripture tells us that when people die, their spirit immediately goes one of two places. Uh, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 8, we are fully confident that we would rather be away from these earthly bodies. That's when you die, amen? Be away from these earthly bodies, for then we will be at home with the Lord. So as soon as a person dies, their spirit goes one of two eternal locations. You are either with the Lord or you're not with the Lord. Let me clear the air because some of you are trying to think, well, what's he talking about ghost stories? Let me clear the air because when we die, we do not roam the earth as disembodied spirits. Your aunt who passed away 15 years ago does not come to your room and comfort you when you have problems. If she does, you need to learn to run or rebuke. Because that is not your auntie come back to talk to you from heaven. 
That's not the way this works. I hear people say that all the time. Well, my mother who passed away comes and comforts me. She best not. If she is, she made it to a real bad place. Because we are with the Lord. Somebody say amen. However, however, the Bible does tell us that there is a real spiritual realm that is just as real as the natural realm. And it is populated. It's populated by God. It is populated by angels. It is also populated by Satan and fallen angels. And today we know them as demons. And it's the confusion that you have between the natural world and the spirit world that you and I run into problems. So when I start talking about living in a haunted house, you need to understand exactly what it is that I'm talking about because most of what I'm going to deal with in this entire series has nothing to do with a natural haunted house. However, our spirits resemble this setting more than we'd like to admit. See, your spirit if you are saved, if you've said yes to Jesus Christ, your spirit, the Bible says, came alive. And because your spirit came alive, it wants to be connected with your Father. Your spirit wants to please Him. Your spirit wants to follow His commandments. But your soul, your mind, and your will, and your emotions, oh, they don't love the Father. They love the carnal nature, animalistic desires of the flesh. Oh, don't get too churchy on me already and act like you woke up uh, this morning speaking in tongues, come out your mama's womb that way. No, no, no. We love the works of the flesh when it comes to this carnal body. Some of the problems that you have in your life are caused by the devil. Most of the problems you have in your life are caused by your carnal desires. Things that you want more than you want to please your Father. And people don't realize that they're not just causing themselves a problem on Friday night. They don't realize that the problem that they're causing is going to have echoes not only through their generation but often into the next generation. That's what my mandate is for you this morning. In this series, we're looking at ghosts, but we're calling ghosts people and things and events from our past that affect us now. Ephesians chapter 6 is where I'm going to take my primary text from this morning, beginning with verse 10. Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, he says, I'm going to give you a final word. Be strong in the Lord and in what? His mighty power. In His what? Be strong in the Lord. Who? The Lord. And in His mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities in the unseen world, against mighty powers. Remember, we were supposed to depend on God's mighty power, and now we're being introduced to mighty powers in this dark world and against evil spirits in heavenly places. So let me set the scene for you before I get too deep in my message this morning. There are only two sources of supernatural power in the world today. There is the mighty power of God, and there are the mighty powers in this dark world. So when you have a supernatural encounter that has supernatural results in your life, that affect your natural world. You either encountered the mighty power of God or you encountered the mighty power of the evil rulers and authority. Is that what Paul just said? I'm going to have to teach you this morning, so please, please, please don't expect me to run the aisles and jump pews this morning. That's not, that's, that, this is not that. Because I have to teach you a thing. Most of you are sitting here and you have no idea what you're sitting under. And in a moment you'll find out you have no idea what you're sitting on. 
Listen to what Paul says. He says, you're either going to be affected by God's mighty power or there is another mighty power. And these things don't just exist in the spirit realm. They affect your natural life. They bring healing and sickness. They bring sorrow and joy. They bring depression and chaos. And they bring rejoicing and peace. Those two things are operating against you or for you at the same time, all the time. So keep that in mind because what I want to teach you this morning is what causes a haunted house. There are two supernatural powers. They are completely opposite. The Lord loves you. The enemy hates you. They're completely opposite. The Lord wants the best for you. The enemy wants your ruination. They're completely opposite. However, they both operate the same. I'm going to need you to talk back to me so I know that you're at least awake. Okay. They both are opposite, but they both operate the same. That means you can do things that brings one of them into your life, and keeps the other out and you can bring the other into your life because they're both attracted to atmospheres Psalms chapter 22 and verse 3 says this but thou art holy O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel in other words there is a way that you can attract the presence of God why do we start services with, with singing before the preaching because we are trying to attract the presence of God. We are trying to plow up the hard ground of your spirit and your heart before the seed of the word is planted. So we use praise to get his spirit to settle in among his people because praise sets an atmosphere. Somebody shake their head that you're still awake with me. Praise sets an atmosphere. Praise ushers in the presence of Jehovah. Praise sets a table that the Lord will sit down and dine at. Praise invites God. But if there's a way I can invite God in, there are things that I can do to invite the other supernatural power. If praise invites God, then what kind of welcome mat do I need to set out for the enemy of my soul to feel like he's welcome to come on in? Oh, it's about to get uncomfortable. Look at your neighbor and say, it's about to get sticky in here. Will you do that? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, all of your smiles are about to go away. So in the book of Leviticus, Israel is wandering in the desert. You have to understand Israel had been slaves for 420 years. They had never had to take care of themselves because they lived under the power and the rule of Pharaoh. They are out in the wilderness learning how to be God's people. God is teaching them that when he gives them their, their land, there's some things that they don't know about that they're having to learn through this training that God is giving through the words of Moses. One of the things that they had never encountered, but they were going to encounter once they got to Canaan, was something called leprosy. And God is giving them not only the laws on how to keep God happy and to please Him, but He gives them laws about how to stay healthy. He gives them laws about being clean and about how to eat and about how to let the land have a rest after seven years. And if pestilence comes, do this. And if mold shows up, do that. And if you have drinking water that looks like this, don't drink it. He's given them all of these laws to keep them healthy. And one of the things he teaches them about in the book of Leviticus is leprosy because they didn't know anything about leprosy. They had never encountered it. And leprosy was so contagious that if one person got it and it wasn't treated appropriately, it would wipe out the entire nation. Everybody could die if one person got sick and they didn't treat it properly. And then he starts talking about the houses. He teaches them about leprosy. He said if, if somebody gets leprosy, separate them, quarantine them, get them away from everybody. Does anybody know about that word quarantine? Just checking. 
And he, then he starts talking about the houses. Now, you have to understand about these houses. These were houses somebody else built. They did not know anything about where the house had been built on top of. They didn't know anything about what was put into the foundations, anything that had been built inside the walls, because God said, when you get to this land, I'm going to give you houses you didn't build. So these were built by someone else, but they were going to start living in them. And here's what Leviticus 14 teaches us, beginning with verse 33. And the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, When you arrive in Canaan, the land I'm giving you as your own possession, I may contaminate some of these houses in your land with mildew. Hmm? The owner of such a house must then go to the priest and say, it appears that my house has some kind of mildew. Before the priest goes in to inspect that house, he must have the house emptied. Somebody say empty. Say empty it out. Say empty it all out. Uh-huh. He must have the house emptied so that nothing inside will be pronounced ceremoniously unclean. Then the priest will go in and examine the mildews on the wall. If he finds a greenish or a reddish streak, if he finds green or red streaks, and the contamination, pay attention to this phrase because I'm going to use it all morning long, appears to go deeper than the wall's surface. If the contamination appears to go deeper then the walls, so, this is so specific. Do you, hear the, the, do you hear how God is laying this out? He said the house has to be empty. Bef the, when you notice something's wrong in the house, when you, when you notice it, the first step is you got to notice it. And, and then you go get the priest. But he says before the priest comes in, you got to take everything out. Because if one thing is dirty in the house, it'll dirty the whole house up. The contamination will, will spread. And then it says, the, if the contamination goes deeper than the surface. And if you keep reading this chapter, you'll see that it says it starts with green and red streaks. And those streaks appeared on the walls. And the priest was called to inspect the house. And he would tell the owner, before I get there, take everything out of your house. And they would wait for seven days. And then the priest would come back and inspect it again. If the green and red streaks remained, they had to start tearing the stones that made the walls down, take the stones outside the city limits. They were never to be used again. Take all the mortar and dust and get it out of the city and rebuild the wall. Then they would give it another period of time when the priest would come back and inspect it again. And if the streaks remained, they had to tear the whole thing down and eliminate the foundation because the contamination was deeper than the surface. They told them never to reuse the stones, never to reuse the mortar. Get rid of it forever because the plague was deeper than the wall's surface, which made the house condemned, untreatable, and uninhabitable. I'm doing a whole lot of preaching. Now, there was a very good reason why they wanted these houses tore down and why God ordered it to be done, because leprosy of the body caused bodily death, and leprosy in the house would do the same thing. But let's get one thing clear before we go any further. We're really not just talking about the house you grew up in or where you get your mail. Because according to 1 Corinthians 6 and 19, we're not just talking about that house. But don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit which lives in you? and was given to you by God, you do not belong to yourself. So in other words, there are things that you can do to attract spirits to your house. You can attract the Holy Spirit, or you can attract evil spirits. And the same is true 
for this house, you can attract and be possessed by the Holy Ghost. Or you can be living in a haunted house where you have a track. Y'all not going to help me. See, I told you it's going to be quiet in here today. And it all depends on what kind of atmosphere you're setting. God is attracted to an atmosphere of praise. The enemy is attracted also to an atmosphere of praise. And some of what you are doing in your body brings praise, glory, and honor to somebody who's there to cause you trouble. You're looking at me like a calf at a new gate, so let me give you scripture to back my point up. Matthew chapter 12, Jesus describes it like this. He says, when an evil spirit leaves a person. What's that say? A person. It leaves a what? A person. Mm -hmm. It goes into the desert seeking rest but finds none. Then it says, I will return to the what? Person. From I came from. So it returns to find its former what? Huh, I thought this was a person. We said twice it was a person. Unless a person is a home for spirits. Comes back and finds its former home, empty, swept, and in order. Then the spirit finds seven other spirits, more evil than itself, and they enter the person, and what? I thought this was a person. They entered a person and lived like it was a house, and they live there. That means that that's not just a Friday night visitation because you got tore up or because you got lonely. See, we got people already resisting me. I already feel it. This gnashing of teeth is already happening. I did not come to church to be condemned. Well, you came to the wrong church is all I can tell you because I don't bring any condemnation, but if you feel it, if that seat you're sitting in is hot, moving to the next seat won't help your problem because the next one's going to be hot too. Because it's not condemnation that I heap on you, it's truth. And truth always reveals itself in condemnation and conviction. Condemnation when you're under the power of the enemy. Conviction when you get under the power of the Holy Spirit. It's your choice. It lives there. So I make a decision on a Friday night and I invite seven, eight spirits to live in my house. And what does the scripture say? That will be the experience. Or No, it, it, it says, and so that person is what? What? Worse off than before. Uh-huh, you got lonely. Well, it was just one time. I only do this when I'm anxious. I only do this when I'm angry. I only do this when nobody's loving me. I only do this. I, I, this is what makes me feel good. Welcome to the land of inhabitation. You're not just meeting the carnal desires of your flesh. Going to that website, jumping into that bedroom, drinking that, taking that, popping that, smoking that, snorting that. You're not just elevating yourself for a moment. You are inviting in eight spirits that are so powerful that Jesus said the, the, the situation is worse in the end than it was in the beginning. Because why? Some contamination is deeper than the surface. Mm, I told you I wouldn't be popular this morning. You need to know that there's some things that you invite into your house and makes it feel haunted. And it's not easy. Did you hear what Jesus said? It's not going to be easy to get them to leave. You can't just come to church on Sunday and shout out all the mess you made. 
You, you, you can't just come to church and, 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 and say a prayer and sing some songs and amen the preacher and get rid of all the mess and the contamination because it's deeper than the surface. See, if I was sitting out there under conviction, I'd be deleting some phone numbers out of my phone right now because there's, there's some mess. You don't believe me, so let me, let me keep going. You need to also know that choices that you have made in your life and things that have happened to you are problems deeper than the surface. You were exposed to some things, either by choice or by force, and they still haunt you today. You're living in a haunted house, some of because you chose to go to that website. Go ahead, get mad at me and the Holy Ghost ain't afraid of none of y'all. Oh, okay, so, so y'all don't like it when I talk about y'all, so, so, so let me just talk about me. The house I grew up in, the Mitchum house, I was exposed to stuff that still haunts me today. But you're a bishop. That's right. I'm also the only honest Christian on Sundays. Because I was exposed to, at an extremely young age, exposed to perversions that I was not equipped to handle, and they still haunt me today. I was exposed to extreme fits of anger and rage. I was, ex I was exposed to violence. I was exposed to addiction. And all of that happened to me against my will. I, I didn't ask for that. It haunts me today. I still battle things today because of things that were forced on me back then because what happened to me in that house causes trouble in this house even while I'm preaching this gospel to you and the reason it causes me problems is because it formed a broken system of thinking relationships and love to me became tangled up with lust because I was molested as a child and I was exposed to all this sexual perversion against my will, all of a sudden I could not tell what real love looked like because people who supposedly loved me abused me. And so I, in my mind, for years could not tell the difference because this tangled mess of what love and lust, and is there a, uh, is there a difference between the two? People, to me, were just things to be discarded once you were done using them. Uh, because of what I had been haunted by. So addiction, addiction became a way for me to cope with the pain that I didn't want to be introduced to in the first place. And so I felt guilty, and I felt shameful, and I felt neglected, and I felt abused, and so addiction became a way to cope with those things. And anger, oh boy, anger is the way to prove you're right. To get your point across. When nobody listens to you, you've got to get, and the louder you get, the better arguer you are. And I had a wrong, busted convoluted, contaminated system of thinking because the house was haunted. Let, let me give you an example of how this works in your life. Because you, 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 I've talked about me. Let me talk about you. Over in Deuteronomy chapter 7, God is telling them that he's going to bring them into the promised land. Here's what he says. He says there's going to be people there the Hittites and the Pezzarites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites. and Don't you wish he would have said, and you'll get rid of all them and the Cellulites too? But he, he didn't say that though. He didn't, he didn't say that. I, I read it several times this week while I was, and I was like, you, man, why didn't you throw Cellulites in there? We, we get them out of the, out of the promised land. Whew. And here's what, he, here's what God says. He, says. he says, when you get over there and you run into all them Ike boys, the Ike boys from the other side of the tracks, he said, you must burn their idols with fire. You must not covet the silver or gold that covers them. You must not take it. 
He said, they're going to have idols, but you can't take them. Why? It will become a trap for you. For it is detestable to the Lord your God. Do not bring any detestable objects into your home for the... Don't bring any detestable objects into your... For you will be destroyed... Just like them, you must utterly detest such things, for they are set apart for destruction. Now, I know this is 2022, and idols seem like such a strange thing to you. Little statues of fake gods. So so let me teach you something, okay? Back in Bible times, when a man had to go to, if if he thought some pretty young thing was was all right for marriage... He couldn't just go up and ask her for her hand. He had to go to her daddy. And he would buy the right to ask her to marry him. And the Bible teaches us in Genesis chapter 31 that Jacob did that same thing. Jacob wanted Rachel. Rachel's daddy was named Laban. Laban deceived Jacob. He he, he worked seven years for a girl he didn't like. And he got Leah... Another sermon for another time because he consummated the marriage, and I don't know how dark the tent was, but he waited seven years to get Rachel and woke up next morning with Leah. Another sermon for another time. Worked another seven years for Rachel. Made Laban all kinds of money. Read the story. I mean, Jacob, everything Jacob did was blessed, and Laban was reaping all the benefits. He was getting all the kickbacks, all the money, and he didn't want Jacob to leave. And and the Bible says that God tells Jacob it's time to go. And in Genesis 31, 19, the Bible says this. At the time they left, Laban was some distance away shearing his sheep. Rachel stole her father's household idols. Stop right there. I'm going to read it again. She stole her father's household idols and took them with her. These were idols she grew up with. These were idols she grew up with in her daddy's house. And when she moved out, she took them with her. Oh, I just did a whole lot of preaching right there, and you resented most of it. When she moved out, she took her daddy's idols because she could not imagine living life with what she had been ex- without what she had been exposed to her whole life. What she learned in her daddy's house was going to be duplicated in her own house. That whole do as I say, not as I do thing, Stop it. That is not the way real life works. How do I know? Laban chases them down, wants his idols back. Verse 33 says this. Laban went first into Jacob's tent to search there, then into Leah's, and then the tents of the two servants' wives, but found nothing. Finally, he went into Rachel's tent. But Rachel had taken the household idols, hidden them in her camel saddle, and now... She was sitting on them. Oh, I'm coming looking for some idols this morning. Because some of you, most of you, maybe all of you, got some hidden idols that you're sitting on right now. Hoping nobody finds them. Because it's easier to deny it than to deal with it. And some of y'all been dealing with uh, hiding it for a long, long, long time. And you messed up and came to church on the day that I have just asked the Holy Ghost to kick in every closet door. I told you I'm not going to shout today because i got to get this word into you. See, living with these idols has made your life feel like you have been living in a haunted house. And it had nothing to do with what the devil did. It's what you hid. It's what you're sitting on. 
And before you say, Pastor, I don't have any idols. I don't have no little statues in my house. I don't even let a statue of Mary be in my house. Hold on. I don't have no idols. You sure? Really? Well, let's modernize this a bit, shall we? Because we start talking about idols. People say, I don't have no idols. I, I don't even like uh, bobblehead Jesus on my dashboard. Uh. I'm going I'm to offer you three very modern, very relevant idols that somebody in this room is going to resonate with on each one of them. Number one, an idol that says, I need more. The thirst for more. Why do you think Amazon is a multi-billion dollar conglomerate? Because we like them little smiling boxes on our porch. That's why. Because when that little box shows up on my porch, I get a hit of dopamine in my brain that says, woohoo! And when I don't feel good, and I don't drink no more, and I don't have illicit relationships anymore, and I've run away from all that, I can go and one click, oh, it'll be here tomorrow. Goody, goody, goody. And I get that little hit. It's an idol. It's an idol. Especially if you're, especially if you're buying stuff you know you don't need. And you, you, you talk about people that's got needles in their arms, but you're just as addicted as... Oh, but that's not me. I'm not a shopaholic. Hold on. I got two more. How about this idol? The desire for more followers. This is exactly what social media was built on. I need to know when I post a picture that you liked it. Thumbs up. Well, how come they only put a thumb up? How come they didn't heart it? How come they didn't care? How come I only got 19 responses to this? How come nobody said that? How come this person didn't see how, and it's constant. And we have to go on looking for validation outside of the contentment that's supposed to come from a relationship with our Heavenly Father and a connection that can only be... Could it be? Could it be? Because you're sitting on the wrong idol. Could it be that you've hidden all these emotions because maybe your father was an absentee father or, or maybe your, your, your parents split up when you were younger or, or maybe you uh, went through a nasty divorce and you're looking for validation anywhere, anywhere that you can find it. And instead of finding the commitment, uh, the contentment in a loving father, you're, you're constantly needing that dopamine hit. So, so, so you love Jesus, but you really need his hands on you. Am I in the right church? Is this on? Like, like, you love Jesus, and you know Jesus doesn't want you chasing after that other woman. But you get validation when she tells you how good you look. You get validation. You're, you got an idol that you're sitting on. And you want that human connection. I love Jesus, but man, he feels so good when he hugs me. When I feel him. Getting too risque in here. Because see, followers is not just on social media. No, no. Some of y'all, some of y'all need validation because you worry about what other folks will think of you. And you're not worried about, a bit about what God thinks about you because you have been convinced that because of his grace and his mercy, he's just gonna love you anyway, and you're just gonna do whatever you want to do. But can I tell you that you need to drop the ego. The, the idol of ego and quit worried about what other folks think about you and start being concerned about what God thinks about you and get out of that haunted house. Because I'm telling you something, our heroes in the faith, if Noah would have cared what other people would have thought about him, he would have never built an ark. If Abraham would have cared what other people thought about him, he would have never walked up that mountain to make that sacrifice. H had Moses cared, he wouldn't have stretched forth his rod, which looked like a ridiculous thing to do. H had Paul the apostle cared what other prisoners thought, he would have never praised God in the midnight hour. And if Jesus would have cared what people thought about him, he would have never saved the world when they were trying to murder him desiring the approval of people will cause you to compromise your convictions which leads me 
to the last idol. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 1 through 6. God's talking about them Ike boys again. Hittites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Canaanites, the Pezzarites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And he says, you shall conquer them and utterly destroy them. But listen to the warning. He says, you shall make no covenant with them. Did you, did you catch that? Did you? Man, I see kids in here. I wish there wasn't no kids in there. I wish there was a kid-free zone. Kids need truth, too. The marriage bed's undefiled because it's a covenant taking place. Husband and wife is making a physical covenant. You might say a husband and wife in the marriage bed is just having church. <laughs> hallelujah. I thought I might get a hallelujah somewhere. There's a covenant. There's a covenant that takes place. There's a covenant that takes place in the temple. That's why it's reserved. That's why it's only supposed to take place. Because you can't do that without covenant. So, so, so God says don't make a covenant because you are inviting ungodly elements into your life because something happens when you take an idol into your life you have a connection to the idol have you ever met somebody have you ever met somebody that was with somebody and they were blatantly bad news and everybody saw it but them we call it Oh, they're love blind. Mm -mm. There's a spiritual connotation called soul ties. What it really is, is they have developed a soul tie to that person. What's a soul tie? A soul tie is when you get emotionally and or spiritually connected to someone. And you can make an idol out of a person as easy as you can a statue. A soul tie is a soul covenant a soul connection what's your soul your mind your will and your emotions so a soul tie is when your mind your will and your emotions are so attached to this person you have made uh, a, a com covenant with them and, and I'm just gonna get real with you okay because they can be righteous or unholy first Samuel 18 and 1 the Bible says David and Jonathan had a soul tie it said their souls were knit together. So that's a godly soul tie. How do you know if it's a godly soul tie? Because they're pushing you toward righteousness. They're, 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 they're exposing you to godliness. They're, they're trying to encourage you toward heaven. How do you know if it's an ungodly soul tie? They're trying to pull you away from the throne and into the bed. Y'all not going to help me. Uh-huh. See, see here, here, here's the thing. Ungodly soul ties are unholy. They're perverted. They're dysfunctional. They're sexual in nature. And, and, and they're, they become an idol. How do you know that, Pastor? Because she loved Jesus before she met you. And, and once she met you, she, she wanted your touch more than she wanted his touch. And, and, and that, that's an idol. Can somebody help me and let me know I'm preaching good this morning? What's the danger of ungodly soul ties? N number one, they stop you from developing. They, they stop you from growing in Christ. Uh, number two, they keep you in bondage. That ungodly soul tie, you will never outgrow what you are tethered to. That's why the Bible says I have to lay it all down for him. And number three, this is the most da damaging one. 
An ungodly soul tie is a stronghold that gives the enemy access to my mind, my will, and my emotion. So while my spirit loves Jesus, my mind is perverted. While my spirit loves Jesus, my heart is divided. My mind, my heart, my emotion. How do you tell the difference? What's the difference between love and lust? Because an ungodly soul tie looks like love, but it's disguised in things like lust and obsession and jealousy. That's ungodly. We got people living in houses with red and green streaks on their walls. And it's caused because they created an atmosphere that the enemy is attracted to and thrives in. I'm going to make some of y'all mad, okay? You love me? Because I'm 48, I'll be 49 in a couple of months. Depends on where you are in the world, that's either... Yeah, no big deal or wow. But I've been doing this a long time. And I'm tired. I'm, I'm tired of Christians straining gnats and gagging camels. Hear, hear me. Every time at this year, there's this great big deal made about what people watch and where they go and what they attend. And I get it. I do. I get the whole supernatural concept. But my God, we've got so many bigger issues. Living in the church every Sunday, green and red streaks in everybody's house. And all we, all we can preach against is the movies or the, 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 the shows or the music. It's straining gnats and gagging camels because I'm going to tell you what the real problem is is that we have invited the enemy into our life and we have allowed him to have access to us. And that's why our homes feel haunted because we are allowing the enemy to have a place where he can thrive. Let me use it, this term. We, we have a term in the world broken home and a broken home simply means you're trying to keep a house together when there's been a divorce and one of the parents don't live there anymore and we call that a broken home but can I tell you that you can have a broken home and everybody still be there and here's why because it's not the inhabitants of the house that causes the dysfunction it's the invited guests Let, 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 let me help you. My, my favorite book of the Bible, James 3.16 says, For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every, say every, every evil thing are where? Where? Say it like you mean it. Where? Yeah, every evil thing. In other words, when you open the door, you can't close it on the select sin that you enjoy on Friday night. You can't, you can't just have this one pet sin because we all got something. The fact that you're making that excuse tells you everything you need to know about that idol that you are sitting on. Where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion and every evil thing are there. So we've got red and green streaks. In our house, caused by fear, hostility. Some of you grew up in a house like I did. And you learned that hostility was the way to get your point across. And in first grade, I would soon bust you in the nose as to argue with you for two seconds because that's the way I learned to handle disputes. Unforgiveness is a streak in your wall. Bitterness. Addiction, lasciviousness. You know what lasciviousness is? It covers a multitude of perverse things. It's, it's things that you do that you don't want anybody at church to know you into. It's the stuff you, you, you keep in the, not just in the nightstand drawer, but like under the bed in a lockbox. 
kind of information. The perverse things. Filth. Deception. And lies. Rebellion is a streak in your wall. Abuse. And this applies, by the way, whether you're talking about the house you grew up in, the house you're going to drive home to today, this house or this house. We all got streaks. We're all dealing with green and red streaks. We come to church and everybody loves on us and everybody's uh, so happy to see us and we're praying for each other and we take communion together. But if we could see with spiritual eyes, do you have, no, do you have any idea uh, that, that, that the streaks that are sitting in the pews with you this morning, do you have any idea about the streaks that are preaching to you this morning? Can I tell you that we have gotten real good at putting wallpaper over our streaks because we don't want to deal with the mess that caused it in the first place? Can I help somebody in this room this morning? There are wallpapered marriages sitting in here this morning. There are wallpapered praisers all over this room this morning. There are wallpapered smiles that walk in and out of the church house every single Sunday and it's time that we tore the wallpaper off so we can get to the root of the problem. Mark chapter 5 there is a demoniac living among the tombs. He, he lives among dead things. He lives in the graveyard. He lives among dead things. Some of y'all come to church on Sunday, but the rest of the week you living among. You come to church on Sunday because it makes you feel spiritually responsible. Right on cue. It makes you feel spiritually responsible. But the rest of the week, you're hanging out with dead people in dead places among dead things. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. And how do you know the difference? Some of you grew up in this house. The Bible says he was so demonic that he would cut himself with sharp rocks. Because... Demonic influence always causes cutting. And they often get passed down from mom and dad to the children and the grandchildren. Oh, you don't believe me. Let me help you. A cutting spirit causes you to cut yourself. I'm so fat. I'm so ugly cutting yourself. I, I don't deserve to be loved cutting yourself. A, a cutting spirit cuts your self-esteem. It cuts your value. It cuts your self-worth. A cutting spirit causes a beautiful girl to go blind when she looks into a mirror. And she can't see the reflection because it's convoluted through the lies and the cutting of her self-worth. And she can't see a true reflection and she ends up with an eating disorder because she has cut her value. Some of you have been cut by shame. The Bible says that we're supposed to forget those things which are behind, but some of you... God is better at forgetting your sins than you are. And you cut yourself with shame constantly and you never feel worth the love of your father because of all the things you've done. But a cutting spirit don't stop with you because hurt people hurt people. So it also causes you to cut other folks. Do you understand? Marriages devolve into cutting insults. Cutting one another down. Using cutting remarks toward each other. Some of you got daddy's hard work ethic. So, some of you got his hard-nosed, go-get-em attitude. But you also picked up his lack of communication skills. You also inherited mom's critical nature. And we wonder, some of us, my God help me, Holy Ghost. Some of us wonder why our children want nothing to do with the religion that we preach to them. 
Because Jesus wasn't the only message you was preaching. Hello? They heard you cut down each other. They heard you cut down the boss. They heard you cut down the pastor when he didn't do what you wanted him to do. Plus, they heard you criticize everything they did. The way they dressed, the way they walked, who they talked to, everywhere they wanted to go. That kid couldn't do anything right. I mean nothing. They got no positive affirmation or signs of love from you. And you expect them to fall in love with Jesus when you've cut them their whole existence? If he finds green and red streaks, the contamination appears to go deeper than the wall's surface. It makes the house unlivable. When you get sick and tired of being sick and tired, and you say, I can't live like this anymore. I'm going to take you through the progression here in a minute. I got the list on the wall. We're going to go through it really fast. The progression of how to unhaunt the house. But none of it's going to work until you get the determination. I can't keep living like this. This is not making me happy. It's not pleasing God. I'm miserable and I'm sick to death of it. So we're going to study the word. The word we already studied. We're going to go through it. And see how to unhaunt the house. Ready? Because these are the steps that, that Leviticus shows us. Number one, you've got to see the problem. The Bible says if you saw red and green streaks, you have to notice it. Some of you have become better at ignoring your problem than you are at brushing your teeth. You might want to switch that, by the way. Listen, some of us, some of us have ignored our problems for so long. We're good at picking it out on everybody else, but refuse to do Well, I'm just like that. This is the way Mitchums are made. Also, all y'all hateful? Ever, just, 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 you, you're just going to, you, you're going to condemn. Well, I'm, I'm Hispanic, so we're quick-tempered. So you're just condemning an entire nation because you don't want to have any self-control. You want, you want, well, this is just the Irish blood in me. This is. So go over to Ireland, everybody's just drunk and fighting all the time. There ain't nothing being done. Like, nobody's going to work. They're just, every, every red-headed Irishman is just beating each other to a pulp over there. That's all they, because that's what they do. Or could it be that you refuse to see your problem? Number two, ask for help. He said, he said once you solve the problem, you're supposed to go get the priest. Now stop right there because y'all about to blow my messages up. The Bible makes it real clear in 1 Peter that I ain't the only priest. You are a royal priesthood. We're, James says, call the elders of the church. We pray over each other. So, so don't just come looking for me, but you do need help. You need some prayer partners. You, th th this might be uh, getting some people that are accountability partners to you, that have the right to speak into your life, but you do You do need some help. Number three, uh, Empty out what might be a problem. He said, you got to get all the furniture out of the house. Empty out. Take this thing and delete that number. Change your number. Block them. There's a problem. They, oh, you don't believe me? Look at what number four. Number four said, then you go and inspect it. Once you get out all the stuff, because you know what? God knows you're real good at lying. He said, get all the stuff out. Oh, it's all out, God. Look, I got rid of all of it. We'll go and inspect it again. Oh, what's some green and red streaks still on your wall? Because here's what the Bible says. If you don't get it all out, it's time to quarantine. By now, you know what the problem is. Why do you keep inviting them back? By now you know what websites cause you problems. Why are you still? By now you know 
that that relationship is not pleasing to God, why do you keep picking the phone up? By now you know that that habit, it comes from that action. Why do you keep? It's time for you to quarantine some people out of your life. It's time for you to quarantine some places out of your life. Why do you keep bringing them back into your house and then wondering why the red and green streaks are there? Number five, or number six, be persistent. He said, if it happens again, you got to do something again. Something in that house is attracting the plague. Something in that house is bringing this demon in. we got to do something. We can't just give our, we're so easy to quit. Well, I prayed four times and God didn't take this addiction away from me. What have you done about it? Have you taken drastic measures? Go back to a flip phone. Do what you got to do to eliminate the temptations out of your life and then trust the Lord to give you strength. It's quiet in this mortuary. I like it. Number seven, be prepared to start over. Tear down the whole house. He said, if you come back the second time and them green and red streaks, it's in the foundation. And it's time to tear the whole house down and start brand new. Can I, can I, can I tell you, some of y'all need to get the attitude that if you lost it all but kept Jesus, you've got everything you need. Your problem is you're afraid to let go of a whole lot of stuff and you're hoping Jesus will still be there on the rebound. But he's not interested in the weekend visitations. He wants full custody of you. And last but not least, you got to deal with the problem. Here's how we're going to deal with it. Verse 49 says this. To purify the house, the priest must take two birds, a stick of cedar, some scarlet yarn, and a hyssop branch. He will slaughter one of the birds over a clay pot filled with fresh water. He will take the cedar stick, the hyssop branch, the scarlet yarn, and the live bird and dip them into the blood of the slaughtered bird and into the fresh water. And then he will sprinkle the house seven times. They were under the old covenant we're under the new covenant and Romans tells me that I don't have to sacrifice a bird anymore but I still need the blood I, I don't have to kill no bird and do all the theatrics and the ceremony of the but I still have to learn how to pass everything under that blood because it tells me that I don't need that sacrifice, but I still need his sacrifice. And I have authority because of that blood. See, in the Old Testament, they had no authority, so they had to bring everything to the priest in order to be uh, uh, confirmed. But because I am now the priest of my home, the authority he used to have in the Old Testament is the authority that's on my shoulders in the New Testament. And I have the authority to take control of whatever I have allowed into my house. And that could be the house that stands at whatever address you receive mail at, and it could be the house that you walked in here with. But whatever it is, I guarantee every person in this room you've got some streaks running up and down your walls we have gotten so good at condemning other folks and judging other folks and looking at their streaks and revealing what's wrong with the world and the Democrats do this and Republicans do that how about yourself how about you what when's the last time you stuck something of yourself up under the blood and said God I know you're not happy with this attitude of mine I know you're not happy with this thing that I run to all the time I know you're not happy with all the decisions that I make and I'm when's the last time you evicted an idol you brought in we got haunted houses and you got one job serving eviction notice 
serve in eviction notice because some of you are carrying around stuff that you did not ask for it was put upon you by an abuser it was put upon you by somebody who neglected you it was put upon somebody that was supposed to protect you and provide for you and love you and you have been damaged and you have walked around living in a haunted house for years. Go ahead, go ahead, pause something, please. And what I want you to know is that it's time to put a no trespassing sign at the entrance to your house. It's time for you to put a no trespassing sign to the entrance of your soul. And I know what's happening. I know what's happening because I've been doing this so long and I've been living in a human body for 48 years. I'm about to open this altar up and some of y'all, some of y'all, a lot of y'all are going to sit right there and say, I can't go up there because all these people will start judging me and wondering, I wonder what they're doing up there. And the reason you feel that way is because of one of the enemy's greatest gifts, the gift of shame. And he puts it upon you to keep you living in your haunted house. Because he knows that if you ever bring that idol out into the light, expose it, and put it under the blood, it has to leave. But I have been idol hunting for two months. I've been praying over this service. I've been preparing for this moment. Me and the Holy Ghost have had you on our minds for the past two months. And I'm not about to let the enemy have a victory over you today. So whatever it is that's haunting you, whatever it is that's left green and red streaks in your house, isn't it time for you to get out of that haunted house of yours? Aren't you sick and tired of being sick and tired yet? Aren't you just weary of coming to church and going through the motions and then going out there and living like hell? Aren't you tired of that? Aren't you exhausted from the play acting you have to do all the time? Bring that mess out of the darkness and into the light. We're going to put it under the blood this morning. And God is about to give you a whole new walk. Get out of that haunted house.